Epstein's guards arrested and charged. Conspiracy over. Of course he killed himself, right? Wrong. Trump in Austin. Mr. Mr. Trump, the Trumpster was here in my hometown now to open a brand new Apple factory, except that he wasn't opening a brand new Apple factory because it had been open since 2013. We're going to talk gold. It's pulled back below that 1464 level. We're going to talk China trade deal and how I think that's going to play out. Did Nick Hodge call a pot stock bottom? Very possible. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Prince Andrew, Kylie Jenner, Kim Kardashian, all sorts of things going on. I am your host, Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, the insightful, the witty, the intelligent, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 45 of Bizarro World. And man, what a bizarro world it is. Nick, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing good, Gerardo. I thought you were going to say President Trump came to Austin to open Applebee's. And you know what? I would have just accepted that as normal. Like it was just, yep, he went to Austin to open an Applebee's. That's just what he's doing this week. <laughs> There's so much there that I could go with. Um Let's um let's start with the markets. We're gonna talk uh, President Trump a little bit later on. It's 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 getting more bizarre by the day. Um, uh, yeah. Let 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 us wait a little bit, but let's talk gold. Uh, gold's back at a uh, that fourteen sixty four level, which is gonna be critical as we arrive here um to the end of the month. If if we break below, if we close below fourteen sixty four on the monthly closing, then I think we're due for fourteen oh six and maybe even a piercing of that fourteen hundred dollar floor it would still keep the bullish thesis in line nothing would change but judging by the reaction of the juniors in the last couple of days uh we have a little bit more tax loss selling season to burn through and it's not going to be fun so i'd love your thoughts on that um <laughs> gold is consolidating i think right around the level that it needs to hold as you just said and what I was writing today, because today is Thursday, we typically record Friday, we're day ahead of schedule this week. So I just wrote my weekly letter. It's fresh in my head, although it hasn't been published yet. And what I wrote is that, um, you know, it's holding this level actually quite nicely. It's, I think it's showing resilience and it's showing strength um, here at the technical level that it needs to hold. And so uh, that fact taken alone should be positive, right? Um, we're in a bull market. Um, we're trying to hold a level before we can go on to the next level of the bull market and um, the commodity price is doing that quite nicely. But it doesn't feel really good, even though it's technically, I would say, a technical positive. It doesn't feel good for a couple of reasons. Um, it doesn't feel good because we spent several weeks above $1,500 gold in recent mm. memory. And so when you have a pullback, when you're showing strength above 1500 and everybody's rallying and that's around conference time and everybody's, you know, putting the putting the crown on the new king market here of gold and then you get a sell off, it sort of, right, I mean, takes the wind out of your sails. And so you got this sort of ho-hum psychological thing going on. And then at the same time for speculators on the smaller side of the company spectrum in the space that the stocks have simply um, not have they not only not moved, they they've gone down. I mean, you and I were talking before we started recording. It doesn't feel good. I'm getting letters from subscribers, um, not only stocks I recommended in you know early advantage, but private placements that we've done haven't performed. Um, and that doesn't feel good. And so even though you have a bull market in gold and you have it holding what I would say relatively firmly at a, at a good price level, 
Um, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good yet. Agreed. I had a good conversation today with a gentleman who runs a company by the name of Revival Gold. Mr. Hugh Agro is the CEO of that company. That can go on your due diligence checklist, everybody. If you're looking for a quality gold company that has a couple of million ounces in the ground, headed towards 3 million ounces, a great land package in a stable jurisdiction in Ohio, and amongst the best management teams in the space. So that's Revival Gold, I, Idaho. Idaho. Exactly, Idaho. exactly. And so the conversation with him, he was in London and he was there for the one-to-one investment conference. And his tone was very, very upbeat, um, as upbeat as I think I've heard Mr. Agro in recent times. He said he had... Um, days scheduled of back-to-back-to-back meetings. He said the meetings were productive. It was high net worth investors. And he brought in a very, he brought up a very good point when he stated to me that everybody he's spoken to um, always points to negative interest rates in Europe and how gold is becoming increasingly attractive within that macro backdrop. And so that's something that I think, you know, is, is, is worth mentioning that, you know, in different parts of the world, we're already seeing new highs. And I think we tend to look at everything from a very US centric point of view, um, rightfully so sometimes, yes. but I think it's good to step back and kind of take a global take on things. And I think, you know, what we're seeing right now in the in the junior resource space when it comes to the stocks is just, it's, it's, it's your typical tax loss selling environment after years of depressed prices where, let's be honest, most of the stocks in my portfolio are in the negative. That's just a fact and a symptom of, of the markets right now. It doesn't mean companies haven't done great work during this bear market to add value and position shareholders for a win when the market turns, but everything's getting sold left and right. So uh, I say all that to say, hang in there, everybody. This is a great time to, to, to make that Christmas list, to average down, to add to quality names. You and I were looking at deals this week, Nick, private deals that um, I, I wrote a check, a small one, and, and you decided not to, and you had a great point for not doing so. Um, frankly, there's a lot of great quality stuff out there that you'd rather add to as opposed to tying money up. And I can't, I can't argue with that point. Um, thoughts on, on any of that. What did Hugh have to say? Cause they had a press release this morning. We've talked a lot about revival gold and they had what I thought was, um, a, a good press release. I might have written it a bit differently, and and I'm willing to talk to Hugh about that if he wants. But uh, uh, the the information in there was exciting for me for the two, really the two points that were in there. One, the soil anomalies look to me, especially on the map, like they've got some exciting things to follow up on, uh, both adjacent to and isolated from known mineralization. Um, and then staking more land north of the moose target. Um, when I looked at that map, it's my you know untrained geologic eye i could very easily see how the trend could continue on to the new ground that they staked and i assume they have a good reason for doing so given the the geophysics that they mentioned in the press release so did he have anything to say about that um, he, he, he did uh, we did an interview on it it'll be on the website resource stock digest of course by the time you all hear this early next week but you know he talked about being excited um adding the additional claims i believe it was something along the lines of 300 and I want to say 45 claims, 50, 350 yep. hectares is what it was. And so, no, he, he's excited. He thinks they have um, discovered and developed a host of new targets. And and keep in mind, you know, the, the, the fault, the perspective fault is about a six kilometer fault, the Panther Creek fault. And so this is, you know, these are the right rocks, the right stratigraphy, the, 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 the right host for further deposits, bigger deposits. Um, and, and, and so, 
No, I mean, look, Revival Gold's got 2 million ounces already outlined across all categories. Um, they're headed to 3 million ounces. They've identified more targets. And, and he was clear, these aren't going to be targets that they drill in the first part of 2020 because they already have targets that are further developed that they're as excited, if not more, about, right? So the good news for us is we have a resource update as shareholders. We have a resource update in Q1 of 2020. Um, by a group that is known to be very, very conservative, but has a lot of credibility on the street. That's one. We should get Metwork um, results here in the next couple of weeks. And that's important because a large part of this resource is in the sulfides, right? And so if you can't recover a good portion of that, it makes it worthless. It, it's sand. It's rock. It doesn't matter. But if you can recover a decent amount of that, then that resource becomes a whole lot more economic quicker. So we should have news there in a couple of weeks. And I think that along with the network should, um, should provide for, for pretty good news flow here in the next quarter. And then it's, you know, raise some capital and get the drills turning on some of these exciting targets. And, and, and start talking more about a restart decision, which is something I know the analysts mentioned in all their reports, but you can't restart if you can't get the, the metal out of the, out of the rocks, a very important network, I think coming. Absolutely. Up. I remember I didn't get in trouble, but I remember one of the, uh, the, 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 the guard keepers of, you know, the bear track projects, a gentleman that, that I got along with very well, um, during our site visit, both you and I were there for the initial site visit. I wanted to say this is back in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, but you know, we got there and I looked at, uh, I looked at the leech pad and I said, well, there's your entire market cap. You could just put that back into production and there's your 25, $30 million market cap. And you know, he, he, he said, well, you can't just go around saying that because this, this and that. And, and, you know, it's funny to me now because I know that's something that they're looking at doing here a couple of years later, <laughs> but that's what happens with $1,500 gold, right? Things that you say in jest when gold is $1,250 look a lot more attractive and make a lot more sense in, in an environment where we have $1,500 gold. But, you know, all jokes aside, yeah, they do have enough on the leech pad and they have enough infrastructure there where this could be a 2020-2021 near-term production story um, that has a ton of leverage because of the exploration upside and, frankly, the infrastructure that exists. I think... Um, Integra Resources, which has a great resource and a great project, also in Idaho, um, just secured a, I want to say it's a $22 million um, investment. Uh, a part of it was from Core and the rest was, you know, a brokered private placement. But that's a big endorsement when when we're looking at a market that's in the midst of tax law selling season. And in, in fairness to Revival Gold, and again, these are both great projects with great teams. I'm not pitting them against each other. But there is a significant infrastructure advantage that Revival has um, that could very well close the, the 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 market cap gap there that exists between those two companies. Again, both great teams, both great assets in a very good jurisdiction in Idaho. Uh, both companies you should look at. I'm just more familiar and like the infrastructure advantage that Revival provides. It was good to see CORE come back into Idaho. I think it's a vote of confidence for the state as an up-and-coming jurisdiction, which is something you and I have been talking about for uh, a while now. And my joke was going to be, you said a lot of things look better at $1,500 gold than at $1,200 gold, except that the share prices of a lot of these juniors was going to be my joke. But the disconnect is not going to last forever. It will not last forever, and it may just provide us with yet another one last opportunity for the buy of a generation, right? <laughs> That's right. Let's talk about what else um, 
is 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 not going over well right now, and that is um, the Hong Kong Human Rights Act that has received bipartisan support. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're going through this impeachment process and everybody is either on the left, on the right, or doesn't care. Um, but the one thing that the both Democrats and the Republicans can agree on is they want the, the, the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act to pass and become law. It has been approved by both sides. It now goes to President Trump. They haven't given a timetable, but they have uh, sent it his way for 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 him to sign. Um, and man, China is pissed off. They are not happy. There's no there's yeah. Pissed. There's no other way to put it. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the trade talks all of a sudden have taken a a a a, a much more um, what's the uh, it, it's done it tempered. Yeah, it's done in about face it's not even tempered it's done in about face you know we went from we could sign this here in the next month to we don't think it gets done in 2019 and china coming out and saying you're basically meddling in our domestic affairs stay the fuck out um with that backdrop i don't know if a deal gets done at all um Thoughts on that because that has serious implications for the base metals and and frankly some of the some of the some of the commodity sectors that that I'm expecting a turnaround in uh, copper specifically um, could suffer if this is prolonged. It may benefit the precious metals trade because of the volatility that comes with that, but a deflationary turn is not the direction that I think the world wants um, the U.S. and China to turn towards. Thoughts on that, Nick? I didn't think a deal was going to get done anyway, based on this phase one stuff mm-hmm. that we've been talking about. Right. I said as much on, on this podcast. It just seemed um, wishy-washy or flimsy. It didn't seem like there was anything hard to go on. Just a lot of lip service, which has become the pattern. Right. I mean, um, China, China talks advance, Dow up 100 points. China talks break down, Dow down 100 points, rinse and repeat for the past 18 months. Right. Um except for recently when we've got a bit of relief from the Fed stepping back in that have helped buoy equities. But no, I think it's a it's a tough road to hoe, especially when it's much more than just the Hong Kong protest. Right. I mean, they got um, the New York Times reported last week, a million Uyghurs in in detention camps. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the the gal from Huawei still um incarcerated in Vancouver and China's picking fights with other nations as well. I think I read recently that they barred an Australian senator from entering the country after he raised red flags about um, Chinese entities or Chinese controlled entities hacking Australian universities and and other educational institutions. And so it's a whole brouhaha. Um, As far as the deflationary tailspin, I'm I'm not going to wade into that, but I don't see a, a, a deal coming um, to fruition anytime soon, especially because you mentioned the impeachment going on already. I mean, Washington is frayed, right? We've been waiting for this nuclear fuel working group thing for months and haven't gotten anything. It's it's safe to say that the federal government's uh, attention is a, is a bit uh, spliced at the moment. Agreed. Let's uh, let, let, let's follow this up a little bit, Nick, and, and, and see if we can make some sense of maybe what comes next and see if we can't use that to make some money. Um, does this put the Fed in a position where it can say, well, the trade deal didn't get done, and now there is a material difference to our outlook for 2020 because of the implications globally and what 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 you know a lack of a trade deal and and tariffs. Keep in mind, we have tariffs that are scheduled to come on here in mid December, if I'm not mistaken. So, does does this give the Fed the cover it needs 
to continue to do two things. One, cut rates some more. And two, you know, crank up the, the, the magical printing press, as D Danielle DiMartino Booth called it today, um, and bump it up even more. Because uh, that I, I, I don't see a way out of it. Well, gosh, there's there's a lot to unpack there and a lot of directions you can go. I think the Fed almost has to. You have uh, Jerome Powell last week making comments saying that um, they've been a bit more uh, uh, accommodating. Obviously, they've cut rates a couple of times now, erasing everything that they increased in, in 2018. But he was also saying, look, you got to get these these debts under control. And he was calling on Congress to act. And so <laughs> yeah. that's good luck. <laughs> right. That's, laugh that's laughable. Right. We know it's not going to happen. We know they're not going to cut the debts. And so you talk about the simple math or the arithmetic a lot. And that's just it. Right. Um, they need to cut the rates so they can service the debt, because as we heard repeatedly in New Orleans and at other conference recently, including some slides that I had, that that debt payment, that interest on the debt is going to is going to is going to rise to 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 be the largest single line item in the in the U.S. budget very soon. And so I think the the Chinese situation and just the general um lack of economic growth globally, even here in the in the US where growth is only at, at 1.9%. If they can use China as a as a skate pig to 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 cut rates. You see what I did there, Gerardo? The well rates. done. To cut rates that it makes <laughs> that it makes total sense for them. You know, I believe you were the first to um highlight the 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 problem that the pigs were presenting, right? All everything that was going on over a year ago. I then believe that you called the initial discussions between the U.S. and China, and this was months ago. You said it was lipstick on a pig. Um, so I like how you tied it all in there and brought it all back. I also believe you called a pot stock bottom. Um, you talked a couple of podcasts ago how you thought that the cannabis sector was due for a, a, a recovery after what's been an absolutely brutal year, right? Especially this last half of it. Um, a lot of the better names are up 30, 40, 50% in the last couple of days. Uh, thoughts on that? I would love to hear the reasons why, and I would love to hear what you think happens next, Nick. Um, well, the reasons why is the, the valuations and the, the technical levels of the charts were getting uh, a bit out of hand and then nearing oversold. Um, they were down near, you know, 2017 or, or prior lows. And so I was just watching. I use Hexo as the example. I think it's a great barometer. So I was watching and in 2017. It was like a dollar 80 ish. Let's call it. This is just off the top of my head. So I was watching it free fall, watching it free fall. It had some support just below two dollars. I don't know why I'm a technician all of a sudden. <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> and so I was just I was just watching, watching, watching. And I was like, man, it could go further. It could go further because I was like thinking about recommending it, thinking about buying it. And it was at like 240, 220. And I was like, no, no, no. And then last week when we were talking, it was getting about time. You could just feel it. It was getting to that two dollar level. Um, people were starting to write about it. Uh, they had the companies had started to turn in earnings, which investors used as a reason to sell the stocks down further. And it's sort of funny how we go in one year from raise all the money you can to grow as fast as possible to wanting co those companies to deliver um, sound earnings growth. It sort of doesn't happen that fast in any industry. And so um, the the expectations were just way too high that these companies were going to um, make the amounts of money, I guess, that were expected of them. Uh, and notwithstanding that, you had the whole rollout issue in Canada. You've got inventory sitting on the shelves, stuff we've talked about before, botched rollouts in the largest province, Ontario. Um, 
et cetera. And so it, it just felt like a, a natural uh, fundamental bottom. So what you've seen is I would point to two things. Um, one was the problem. One big problem was these companies, including some I've been involved with, took on some convertible yep. debt. And so um, and then when the share prices started going south, obviously no one wants to convert that debt into share prices that are headed the wrong direction. And so all of a sudden these companies were faced with debt burdens, sort of like the United States government, um, that they weren't going to be able to service. And so that just created a further downward spiral. What we've seen is a renegotiation of some of that debt. Um, Aurora, I think it was, was able to get some of their debt converted. I, I'm not sure they announced the price yet. I think that might be tomorrow. And that sort of gave investors the confidence to say, okay, they're going to, the, at least the quality names are going to be able to renegotiate with their lenders, uh, maybe get a bit better terms, and it's not going to be the end of the world. At the same time, here in the United States, you had the first decriminal, pot de decriminalization bill actually make it out of a committee. Mm. Um, and get sent to a vote on the House floor. Now, I don't think this bill is going to pass the, um, the House and, 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 and certainly not the Senate, but you had one make it out of committee and you spoke about uh, bipartisanship earlier and how we're not bipartisan on anything anymore um, except mining in Idaho and condemning China. And spending, so, and spending. Um, and <laughs> yeah, spending. yeah, <laughs> that one always gets passed. <laughs> So you got a couple of Republicans in this committee to to vote for the bill, which would um, take cannabis off the um, prohibited substances uh, list and also expunge people for the had prior records. So um, those two things coming at the same time have led, as you said, to to the stocks going up precipitously in the past couple of days. Though I can't help but wonder in the in the back of my mind if we're truly through tax loss. I think a lot of people lost a lot of money. So you might, might want to see one or two more earnings reports soon. And, and then I'll wrap up on the pot stock topic. Um, if you're looking for companies, I mentioned some big names last year, but one of the things you want to look for is companies that don't have to raise money because that's going to be the next interest that caps your upside is how they renegotiate these deals and how much more capital they're going to need. Agreed. Um, you mentioned uh, politics, politicians. I know you wanted to touch on the debate. I did not watch the debate. I felt that the person on the left with the most substance to um, his platform, Julian Castro, was not um, there. He wasn't allowed because he didn't have enough donors. And, and, and frankly, let's call it what it is. He didn't have enough money. Um, to be invited on the stage enough pool, right? And so that is what it is. So I did not watch, but I did catch some clips that were pretty funny. Did you catch Joe Biden on domestic violence? Um, I did, and I, 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 I died a little inside. It's an issue we just got to punch, and we got to keep punching. We got to keep punching it, Gerardo. And then he doubled down. He said, no, I really mean it. We have to keep punching at it, which was just made me smile right and then i'm scrolling around as i'm not watching the debates right because it, it, it doesn't matter i mean trump's going to win this this this, this you're just that's just what's going to happen right whether i agree with it or not so then i'm just kind of scrolling around and, and and an article pops up and i see a new um ad by the south dakota governor have you seen this yes and i thought it was a huge success but go on <laughs> So the ad is an anti-methamphetamine campaign and the logo is, or the saying is, meth, I'm on it. And it has this very, like, it has a bunch of different pictures of these kids and these older people and these younger people and all sorts of different people um, with that, with that, with that headline, with that motto there that says meth, 
were on it. So I agree with you. I think it worked brilliantly. One, because I'm talking about it here in Austin, Texas. Exactly. You right. heard it in Spokane, Washington. Um, but yep. <laughs> I don't think that uh, this was their intent. I think they messed it up. And I think they're brilliant. So all those things can be true at the same time, right? They definitely fell in shit and came out smelling like roses because, um, you know, taken at face value, how that got through um, idea generation meetings and editing meetings and managing editor meetings and approval meetings and production meetings. And no one said, hey, should we really be going with this? It just boggles my mind. Meth. We're on it. <laughs> but then, but then it goes absolutely viral, right? And so I was, you know, scrolling Twitter the other day and I see South Dakota trending. So I'm wondering what's going on in South Dakota. Is there a, a shooting? Is there a, yep. a tornado? What's, what's going on in South Dakota? Let me click. Oh, I see what's going on in South Dakota. And then everybody's ragging on them. How could you do this? Look at these dumb fucking South Dakotans. They can't do shit. Um, and then, like like you just said, um, I saw somebody with the insightful comment, aren't you all talking? Wasn't this an awareness campaign? And aren't you all now aware of it? Yep. And so that guy made the most sense and he gets the point. Yeah, no, I I, I love it. It's um, it's a bizarre world. It's, it's crazy. Do you know it's going to rain unicorns tonight? I saw that on the list for the <laughs> topics today, but I, I, don't, I didn't know what that meant. So there, there, there's going to be a what they're calling a unicorn meteor storm to be triggered by a mysterious comet and so this hasn't happened and i don't know how long but they're saying it could turn into an all-out meteor storm on the night it would have passed by now so apologies in advance everybody um today being thursday the 21st um so yeah it, it, it's some something like this um hasn't happened since i believe 1995 um, I thought it was neat. I thought it was something that we could look up at the sky about. Maybe we could Google it next week and look back and see if it actually manifests or not, but it's supposed to be pretty neat. So that was my neat, insightful, uh, contribution, contribution, if I can say it right to the podcast this week. Um, the outburst is caused so by dust released by a long period comet, but the comet itself is still unknown according to the two scientists that are tracking this. So um, they're saying there could be like up to 144,000 meteors per, per hour, 144,000, um, 40 meter, 40 meteors per second. That's insane. Look at you doing the science. Yeah, yeah, we had, had to get a little something, had to get a little something in there. You, you know what I was thinking? My, my three and a half year old loves unicorns. Like she's got this like little unicorn, um, plastic blow-up toy she's got like unicorn plush dolls she's got unicorn socks we asked her what she wanted for christmas and she wants a, a unicorn suitcase and so i i thought the i thought a unicorn storm was just like what my playroom looks like every night when all the unicorn stuff is flying around everywhere that's hilarious well i think uh, i have a five-year-old niece same deal right like uh she's got the onesie she's got everything you could possibly have um for a unicorn lover so uh, yeah i thought that was interesting i thought that was a uh, something to look up at another thing i thought that was interesting was and i mentioned it earlier president trump coming to austin um to visit the og tim cook because man you gotta think tim cook is an openly gay man 
the Trump administration has not been the friendliest um, to anybody. Is that why he's the OG? What, is that why he's the because OG? Because he's got Trump eating out of his hand. He's getting tariffs rolled back. He's getting company perks for Apple and their employees. I don't, I don't, I don't know what he's doing, but absolutely it makes him the OG. Look, Amazon CEO, chairman, founder, Mr. Bezos, he is at odds with Trump. I don't know how many different CEOs can't find a way to stroke this guy's ego the right way. Tim Cook has figured it out. Trump came to Austin. He came here to, to take credit for opening a Mac factory uh, that's been open since 2013. He said this. Nobody really bothered to fact check him except for the Washington Post. But this is something that's been open for six years. But again, the main point is somehow Tim Cook, to the benefit of his shareholders, has managed to, 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 to get President Trump to do whatever the hell he wants him to do. And I, I think it's been impressive as all heck. I don't think it's a coincidence that Apple stock is where it's at. Um, and kudos to him. So I just wanted to give a little shout out to the OG Tim Cook. Two points. Two points for um, sure. One, the politicians don't care about fact checking nothing. So Trump is going to see a factory grand opening that's been over <laughs> open for six years. It's like a mattress factory every President's Day, right? Um, but then you got Joe Biden on the debate last night. Did you hear this one other than the domestic <laughs> violence one? Did you hear him say he had been endorsed by the only black woman elected to the Senate? When, the, when there was a black woman elected to the Senate standing right next to him in Kamala Harris that has not, in fact, endorsed him? I did not catch that one because I didn't watch it. it didn't make she me... raised her hand. Did she? she raised her hand and she was like, I'm standing right here. <laughs> that is so good. Again. <laughs> why Mr. Castro should have been on that stage. I had to not listen to all that mess, but the, you know, Mr. Castro is one of the few people talking about a restructuring of how police are trained in this country, a, a restructuring about the way that we own guns in this country, not taking them away, just owning them smarter so that more law abiding people can have them in the safest way possible. So more kids don't get shot accidentally or otherwise. Um, I could go on his immigration platform is fantastic. Um, he talked about, you know, Democrats, you know, and, and, and I don't consider myself a Democrat by any stretch of the word, but he talked about why Democrats cater just to Iowa if they're really looking to lead, you know, the majority of the country, why, why they continue to, to, to take this antiquated approach um, to, 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 to campaigning and, and to the election. And you know, again, whether he's right or wrong, he's at least talking about structural changes in many, on many, many issues. Um, so I, I, I commend him for that. And it's just, it, 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 it's a crime to me that he wasn't on that stage yesterday. I didn't hear shit last night. I watched I think, <laughs> the majority of it. I didn't learn anything new. I heard the same exact thing they said in the previous debates. Um, if anything, they're starting to get a little bit more, um, cat scratchy with each other, you know, not just the, the women, but the, the men as well, you know. Um, Cory Booker asked Joe Biden, for example, if he was stoned the other day when he said that <laughs> when he said that marijuana was a gateway drug. And so, you know, they're just going at each other. And I told you months and months ago that Biden's age was going to be a huge problem, I think, after the first debate. And that has certainly turned out um, to be the case. But what I can't figure out, I just want to tie a couple of things together. Now, you talked about many CEOs being at odds. Um, with Trump, but aren't they going to have to come into his fold? Are, because there's obviously a rift between um, Wall Street and Elizabeth Warren. I mean, you had 
um, the former CEO uh, Blankfeld or Blankfein tweeting at Elizabeth Warren the other day about um, how she was attacking the banks and shouldn't be, and and that's misguided. Are you you think these people who are at odds with Trump are gonna? vote their morals and ethics over their pocket never never yeah yeah, never in the history of america have we voted our morals and ethics over our pocketbook including the civil war we could have a discussion about that another time but you know that wasn't morals and ethics it was painted that way afterwards right it was it was it was sure it it, it was hard dollars and economics and, and 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 a fight for you know what the country was going to look like in the future not in the present but anyhow factories and mechanization you no, got it you got it you get it um so yeah no i think it's um it, it's a bizarre world it's just uh, again though bringing it back to to, to mr cook he the, the brilliance was recognizing very early on in president trump's uh presidency that he would have to do this um, and I think it's just been an absolutely masterful um, performance from a CEO that doesn't get enough credit for his creativity and taking over when Mr. Steve Jobs passed away. You know, we hear so much about how Apple hasn't innovated and how there hasn't been anything really exciting come out of Apple. But if you've been an Apple shareholder since Steve Jobs passed away, you've been a very happy and satisfied shareholder. And so, yeah, I, I, I think it's brilliant. and. Um, like you said, more CEOs are going to have to come to the table because Elizabeth Warren is not getting Wall Street money. You know, Lloyd Blankfein coming out, the former CEO of Goldman Sachs, um, that tweet, that statement he made was very pointed and it didn't really mix words. He, the end of it, he said, uh, he said, maybe tribalism is just in your nature and in your DNA. Yeah. Yeah. A very obvious jab at, 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 you know, the whole debacle there with her. Pocahontas. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, you know, this is why the left's not winning this one. I don't care what Trump does. I, You know, Trump could be on the debate stage with Hillary Clinton and grab her by the tits. And you know what? He's still going to get elected president. And, and and so, again, we don't have to like that. And we could we could have discussions about, you know, what, what, what a despicable human being I think he is for the most part. Um, but he's done the things that allow for cover if you're going to vote for him. Um, I think he's right on China. I don't like his approach, but I think he's correct. Um, I think it's hard to argue with what he's done with the stock market. Hasn't just all been him, but for those of us that have assets, for those of us that are invested in the broader markets, for those of us that um, you know are lucky enough to have real estate in a low-tax state that keeps appreciating, you got to look at that and he can run on that. He can campaign and win a win, win, win a campaign on, on the fact that the stock market's doing well, real estate is held up, rates are low, unemployment is low. Look, whether he deserves the credit for that or not, he's been manning the ship while that has happened. Now, the vice versa of that, of course, is all the ethical and moral and legal um, clusterfucks that he's got us in and all the kids that are detained and how we incarcerate more people than the rest of the world. I mean, we, we can get into all of that. And there's a million things that, that I could counter um, with as far as why he wouldn't be somebody that I would vote for. But I completely understand the people that vote their pocketbook on this one because, hey, you know, that's that, 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 that's look out for number one, right? Well, and a couple more points, because I think this is a good discussion. Um, I think the Democrats aren't doing themselves any favors for some of the reasons you just said. Like, I mean, look at the guy, look at the Trumpster. This should be like, not a gimme, but they should be able to 
to put up a serious fight in this election, given the amount of animosity and vitriol and things that have gone down over the past four years. And they can't. And they're and 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 I, I don't know exactly why, but I'm going to wax on it for for a minute here. One of their missed opportunities is that they aren't attacking aren't attacking corporations enough. You have um, the mentions of big banks and insurance companies in the healthcare debates, but they're not going after them in a in a real um, concerted way where they're talking about how things we've talked about here, how these big social media companies use you as their product, how they're not careful with um, your data, how they've um, interjected themselves into our lives such that um, we crave their likes or we crave the likes that we get from other people on their platforms. And so doctors are talking about how this is impacting our life. Or you'll have conversations with people who say, yeah, like I know my phone is listening to me because I get an ad that shows up for something I've talked about that I've never searched in my phone. And then you read Pew studies talking about how over 60% majorities now in the country are distrustful of big data and are concerned about the evolution of the internet and what these tech companies have done um, to their lives and, and to their data. And I haven't heard this addressed anywhere. If you want to attack capitalism, um, you should attack like these nefarious things that, uh, that, that capitalism has become. Um, and I haven't heard anybody mention, mention about that as far as like FedEx paid zero tax. That was a big, that was a big article in, yep. in financial. Yep rags last week nobody's talking about that these big companies avoid taxes all the time by you know domiciling a shell company in some island or in in switzerland or northern ireland or wherever it is they do it there's all these havens right and nobody wants to talk about raining that money and nobody wants to bite the hand that feeds right and not just from a, a financial standpoint but but from an antitrust standpoint almost as well in the case of like google and others who are now um, going into the banking sector, and there was a scandal two weeks ago about all the medical data that that Google had collected. And mm. then just this week, we learned they changed their algorithm so that big businesses that spend more on ads show up higher in the ranks. Like this is the stuff, and I know I'm a bit off. No, no, this is, this is right on top. That Demo you're spot on. That Democrats should be talking about to get votes, and they're not. And 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 like I'm neither. Republican nor Democrat either. And I'll probably just pull whoever's on the, the libertarian ticket again, because nobody on the Democrat side has given me a reason to vote. Although I will claim victory again. You know, who's ahead <laughs> the is Mr. Pete Buttigieg. I told you a while ago. May, may, anyway. Yeah, may, may, Mayor Pete is holding up. All right. Um, I'll take it one step further. Huh? Last point. No, ha have at it. Point. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, it's a great point. They should. They've always they've always in these debates and how they frame their campaigns have gone against Trump. Right. And we've talked about this a little bit. It's always anti-Trump or against Trump, never for a good policy or for a good idea. In some cases they should just come out and say he's right, but he's an asshole. And I think that would get them some votes as well. Like, yeah, he has done this right. Like you just said, but we could do that too. And we don't have to be assholes about it. And so they won't give him any credit. And I think that's doing themselves a disservice. I agree. And to your point about, corporations not being targeted by the left as examples, the, the nefarious ones. You know, we talked antitrust. We talked, you know, about uh, about all the legal ways in which you could target. How about how about the corporations that are killing people? 
Boeing, which has done a masterful job of escaping my mind the last four podcasts. <laughs> Fucking assholes. Um, you know, I, finally I got them. You know, the, 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 these people lied about the software that was on the planes. They knew about this. It led to 189 people dying in a crash in Indonesia and a second crash, which killed 157 people. How about we make an example of them? When I say we, I don't mean Democrats because I don't consider myself a Democrat. I don't consider myself a Republican. How about we as just citizens who want some corporate oversight? This is as easy as it gets, people. So today, you know, what, what, what do I wake up to or, or what, what am I reading? I'm reading the headline that Boeing has settled more than half of the Lion Air crash lawsuits. Um, some 118 claims. I'll put a link up. It's it's an article from a week or two ago, but I I, I finally was. And they to... lowballed the families. They lowballed them on like Indonesia rates and not American rates and all kinds of just stuff. nasty stuff all the way around. Nick, how about a commercial on that? How about a commercial that challenges Trump to go after somebody that makes a large chunk of their profits? from the defense spending that us taxpayers fund. How about a commercial about that? Why are we not talking about that? Why are we just talking about taxing wealth and taxing billionaires? Whether you agree or not, the messaging is absolute trash. And that's why you're in for another four years of a, of, of a Trump presidency. Whether, <laughs> whether or not he makes it through those four years is a whole other conversation. And I don't think he will. Um, but I think he's going to get voted in again. They just don't get it because it's not just the billionaires, which is something I've been writing about for yes. a long time. Yes. You can't say like the 1%. It's not the 1%. It's like the 0.001%. And it's a gigantic difference in earnings levels, those two decimal points. They're talking about making, they're talking about eliminating the, the social security tax cap. So, you know, um, employers and employees are responsible for, I think it's like 12 and a half percent social security tax until they, they earn like $134,000 and then they don't have to pay it anymore. And next year, 2020, it goes to $137,000. After that, you don't pay social security tax anymore. They're starting, they're talking about taking that away, eliminating the cap. So you would pay uh, the 12 and a half percent on all your entire earnings for the year on everything above $134,000. That is how you lose elections. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to talk about more nasty stuff? Sure. Prince Andrew got grounded by mom. <laughs> did you see that? I saw. I did. Did you see the interview? I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw the highlights, the needed parts. I did as well. Let's provide a brief recap. So Mr. Prince Andrew decided that this was the right time to do an interview um, to talk about his relationship with financier Jeffrey Epstein. Um, Who did not kill himself. Who did not kill himself. Let's be very clear. I don't care what those two guards tell you from New York. That supposedly fell asleep and then now they're being charged with uh, faking the documentation for the supervision they were supposed to be providing. Um, that's all a charade. None of that is real. Jeff Epstein didn't kill himself. Um, but this interview was an hour long and man, it, it, it did not look good. Um, the journalist was, I, I think, as delicate but um, straightforward as she could be. I thought, I thought it was brilliant. Um, she asked Prince Andrew about an alleged sexual encounter with a teenager. Um, she followed that up with a discussion, again, just brilliant, 
about how much he sweats and how he could have spent four days at Epstein's New York City mansion after Epstein was convicted of soliciting a minor, of raping a young girl. That's what it was, right? And so, um, God, what a debacle. So the queen said, you're on timeout. Get the fuck away from the family. We don't want you around. You're an embarrassment. Um, and just, man, some of the, some of the, some of the excuses that Prince Andrew put up, um, were just laughable, laughable. He said, uh, when, when, when asked about the alleged encounter between him and the minor, the rape of the minor, he said, it, it just wasn't possible that that could have been him because the victim said that he was sweating profusely. And he says that this is a quote, I didn't sweat at the time because I had suffered from what I would describe as an overdose of adrenaline in the Falklands War when I was shot at. And I simply, it was impossible for me to sweat. The journalist then produced a photograph of the prince smiling with his arm around this young girl's bare waist, right? In the background is Epstein's former girlfriend, who a lot of people say was really the pimp for Epstein, the person that went and, you know, paid and brought in and then enticed these young girls um, to, to, to do all the sick shit that these grown, nasty rapist men were doing. So he then says, I have absolutely no memory of that photograph ever being taken. And he says, from the investigations that we've done, you can't prove whether that photograph is faked or not because it is a photograph of a photograph of a photograph. And then he says, plus, I don't think it could have been me because when I go out in London, I wear a suit and a tie. Because that's how he rapes, right? With a suit and a tie. Um, and then and then he closed it off by saying that, you know, and it really, really couldn't have been me because public displays of affection are not something that I do. There is so much to unpack there. This was just one hour with this guy. Um, just nasty. And, and, and when asked about um, whether or not he regrets the relationship with Epstein, he says, and, and this was just fucking a perfect ending. He says, I don't fully regret the friendship because it had some seriously beneficial outcomes. And then in the pun of all puns, and I got a Kardashian one later that I said I wasn't going to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. In the pun of all puns, he says, do I regret the fact that Epstein has quite obviously conducted himself in a manner unbecoming? <laughs> yes, he said. And the, again, the journalist was brilliant. She said, unbecoming? He was a sex offender. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was being polite. I mean, what in the world goes? How, how disconnected from like humanity do you have to be to think like this? You got to keep punching, Gerardo. You just got to keep punching it. <laughs> punching it. <laughs> uh, that, 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 that's all I got for that whole sick, nasty situation. Um, you know. Well, I got just, just two quick yeah. things. One, they made it disappear real quickly. That interview didn't make a whole lot of rounds huh? that I saw. It didn't do the whole trending on Twitter. It didn't do the whole late night comedy circuit. It just. It was swept pretty quickly, at least from my vantage point, how I sort of look at the trending of, of new themes and, and topics and such. This should have gotten um, a little bit more um, staying power, if you will. And then um, he had the racist thing right after that, where he was apparently dropping the N-word in like official meetings and stuff. So, 
Yeah, he's grounded. He's kind of like taking a, a hiatus <laughs> from public life. He's kind of like the Donald Trump of like the kingdom out there, right? But he doesn't have the charm or the pizzazz or, or or the gravitas or whatever you want to call it to actually pull it off, right? He does the same shit almost that Trump is known to do, right? Say racist shit, not allow minorities to rent his buildings, uh, charge different prices to minorities, uh, all sorts of things. Grab women, you know, by the you know what and all the nasty stuff that he's done, except he's able to rally his base around that for whatever reason. And I think Prince Andrew maybe thought that he could swing it. He wasn't swinging it. This isn't working. He's going to be on timeout for quite a little bit. My only hope, and now I'll be serious for a second, is that um, this comes off as so bad because now I understand the FBI wants to speak with them and the victims of Epstein and, and this gentleman, Prince Andrew, and, and all the other nasty people that were involved in this thing. The victims want um, a follow-up. They, they, they want him to be investigated further. And so I, 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 you know, I'm rooting for the FBI on this one. I'm, I'm hoping they, 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 they bring that entire ring down wherever that goes. It's nasty. It shouldn't be tolerated. And it's way too easy uh, for wealthy grown connected men to rape in this world um and it shouldn't be so easy good maybe we'll do the church next. i like it speaking of the church <laughs> you see kim kardashian got off another black man wait <laughs> say that again <laughs> so kanye west was in houston um i won't say performing i'll say he was at joel osteen's church uh, he was he was marketing he was marketing that's what he was doing he was hunting for that tax break right and you know what? I'm a big fan of the Kardashian gals, not just because of the looks. All jokes aside, they are as productive and intelligent and business savvy as anyone that I've seen in recent time just through social media. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to Miss um, Kardashian West helping get off another black man in just a second, right? Um, I want to start with the week that Kylie Jenner had. Kylie Jenner, um, little sister to Kim, sold 51% of her cosmetic line that she started with five friends. Um, I, I think five or six years ago, she, she just sold that for 600 million in cash. She's 22 years old. That's impressive. I don't, I don't, it doesn't happen by accident and everybody could poo poo the Kardashians for the background of the Jenners and you know, all the stuff that they do, but they've been able to turn their social media savviness into an absolute empire. Kudos to Kylie Jenner. Back to Miss Kim Kardashian West. She, her father, of course, was the famed attorney, um, Mr. Kardashian, who was on OJ's defense team. Miss Kardashian West, while Kanye was off being a dumbass in Houston, decided that she wanted to get involved um, in a case that's local here, here near Austin. A gentleman by the name of Rodney Reed um, was scheduled to be executed um, yesterday. And her and a host of other celebrities and Dr. Phil led the way on this, all jokes aside. He did an in-depth investigation about the case. And, you know, the, the, the short version is Mr. Reed, who was African-American, was found guilty by an all-white jury in 1996 for the rape and murder of Stacey Stites, who was a white 19-year-old grocery store worker here in Central Texas. Um, at the time, the young lady was engaged to a police officer in Georgetown, where I recently bought a property, uh, police officer, Jimmy Fennell. And so, you know, there were multiple witnesses that, that said at the time, and then the cops buried a lot of the, 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 the evidence, right. And the information, but they said, no, no, I know plot twist. Um, you know, the rumor was that this, 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 this police officer found out 
that his fiance and this African-American gentleman, Rodney Reed, were having an affair. And so she ends up dead one day and he gets arrested. Long story short, he gets convicted. He's on the, uh, he's, he's, he's eligible to be executed, scheduled to be executed. He's on death row. A lot of very famous celebrities, including Kim Kardashian West, got involved. And that was stayed for the time being. So the interesting thing is that Miss Stites, the young lady who ended up dead, um, her fiance at the time, that was a police officer in Georgetown, Texas, ends up convicted on separate charges years later. Um, for, of, of, for what? For raping people um, when they were in his custody. And so he allegedly confessed to a cellmate that, yeah, he had killed his fiance because she was sleeping with a black man. Um, and, and, and here we are, right? So the joke was, I couldn't, I couldn't not tell the pun about Miss Kardashian West helping get off another black man, <laughs> but all jokes aside, well yeah, all jokes aside, this is, I want to say the fourth or fifth time where she's gotten involved in a meaningful way and brought attention to, 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 to injustices within our criminal justice system. Um, that are so horrible. Like there, 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 there was a woman that was sentenced to like 30 years in prison for some bogus marijuana charges. And, and, and she was able to get, you know, that pardoned by president Trump. Right. And so she's done four or five of these now where she's, she's effective. She's effective in this. So again, while Kanye's out being a clown, um, Kim is, is, is out here making, you know, a meaningful difference in people's lives. And Kylie is, is, is a billionaire at 22, um, cheers to that family, man. Cheers to that family. They, 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 they got my respect. Any thoughts on that? Cook Kardashian 2020. I love it. I love it. Uh, no, that's important work. There's been, um, as we get advancements in science and, uh, D8 DNA analysis, et cetera, just too many cases, um, that have been overturned, um, where people have been inappropriately convicted and incarcerated. And some states are opening up uh, entire divisions or institutions as part of their attorney's offices that look at some of these cases where there's new evidence or a new way to look at the evidence or there was doubt before. So um, it's good work and, and good to see someone who has the, the clout such as Miss um, Kim there to to get the word out and um, improve that gentleman's life uh, significantly. Agreed. The, the, the case I referenced earlier was a woman by the name of Alice Marie Johnson. She was serving a life sentence um, stemming from drug charges. Miss Kardashian West got involved. It was commuted by President Trump um, after she lobbied on her behalf in an Oval Office meeting. So Kim studying to become an attorney. Again, kudos to them. Kudos to that family. It's important work. I hope they keep doing it. I know we want to wrap up, but he's on this whole, you know, he's using this whole, just like I think, you know, Snoop has had Christian moments and released Christian albums. And then Snoop was like Rasta for a little while. I mean, it sells albums, right? Like Bob Dylan did it back in the days. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So he's using this religion thing to, to sell albums and now he's doing the Austin thing. But what I was going to say is he's also, uh, Kanye has bought like a 4,000 acre ranch mm. in Wyoming and I'll have to post a link, but it, it was just, 
I was having some chuckles reading the the long article about it. People, journalists interviewing the locals about Kanye coming to town and this and that. And, you know, there's no black people in Wyoming. It's all cattle ranchers and, and mining and coal, et cetera. And so it's just a funny juxtaposition. But he's doing it for the, like you say, he's after the religious tax credits. Right? I mean, I think they have some sort of facility on this ranch that he bought where they conduct weddings and such. So. Um, not dumb, obviously. No, no. And I, I again, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of the brains behind that comes from Kim and, and, and her mom, who, again, you know, kudos to them for the way that they've uh, grown their empire. Um, we can't leave without talking about the impossible Whopper. Um, did you hear that? Newt? I did. <laughs> and, and I know you went and tried one a couple of weeks ago. I, I still have it. So let me hear I the did. Update. I gave my review. I, I said what I said. And now you'll never believe this. Kind of like the cops hiding evidence or planting evidence, right? Or actually committing the crime. Um, Burger King was sued on Monday by a vegan customer who accused the fast food chain of contaminating its meatless impossible Whoppers by cooking them on the same grills as its traditional meat burgers. <laughs> If you're a vegan eating at Burger King, you've got fucking issues. That was my whole point. You beat me to it. You got it. You went there for your vegan option. That you, you deserve whatever was in your burger, person. I just, I just leave it there. Whatever was in there, you deserve it. That's it. That's all I got. Um, I was going to talk about the Utah woman who may have to register as a sex offender because she was topless in her own home. I will save that for next week. I cannot wait. Um, I'll be nice and full from Thanksgiving. I hope everyone listening has a good Thanksgiving if they're in the U.S. next week. And I assume we'll be doing this next Friday from our couches. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Absolutely, everybody. Have an absolutely phenomenal Thanksgiving. I hope you all have great people around to make some fun memories, some good food, and uh, a lot of love, right? Be nice to each other out there. Be kind to each other. I am Gerardo Del Real. Mr. Nick Hodge, thank you for playing along. This was episode 45 of... Bizarro world. Say bye, Nick. Punch it. Just keep punching it hard, hard. See ya.